Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The 68th edition of the Four Corners podcast starts right now. Black holding high, goes to Darty. Darty and the double team gives it back to Black with 20 seconds left to play. Goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! Rebounded by Weber. Michigan out of timeout. Weber front court, Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout, they're out of timeout. Technical foul, technical foul on Michigan. Ed Corbett says he can run the baseline, hands in the ball. Brown gets it into Williams. Here comes Williams front court. Williams on the drive. Gets it back out to him. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. May. It's over. Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72. And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champions. Matthews off the mark. And this year, the confetti... It's going to fall for North Carolina. They're not going to be denied this time. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony back with you guys today. Getting you ready for Carolina Notre Dame. That'll take place Wednesday night, 9 p.m. up in South Bend. Be a late tip for Carolina as they play their second consecutive ACC road game. We're going to break down the Irish, update you on some Carolina stats and notes. We have a discussion topic or two regarding the Tar Heels. Then we'll give our keys to the game and then pick the game. But before we do all of that, we start every preview pod as we always do with our pod thought of the day. We go back to Roy Williams, who was not in attendance for Carolina's win over Boston College. He was actually at the NBA game featuring the Phoenix Suns and the Charlotte Hornets in town to see uh, Cam Johnson play as the Suns made made relatively quick work of the Hornets. And Roy one time said, uh, you can't change the wind, but you can direct the sails. And, you know, that one really hit home to me because the wind's been blowing a lot around here, a lot around this oh, program. Wow. Um, it has been an off season of change as Carolina transitioned from Huber, from Roy Williams to Hubert Davis. A lot of ebbs and flowing, but on the pod we've stayed on the straight and the narrow. We have put up record numbers. We have had great guests. We've had great discussions. We've turned the sails in the direction to allow us to move forward. By the way, it's, the it's, only reason that you picked this quote was because it was windy out this morning on the way to recording this well, podcast. That is shameful and clever at no, the same time. That, that's that's what good podcast hosts do is be able to take the outside ah, environment average and make it a part of what you're doing on the inside. Um, and we've been doing a lot on the inside. And so as Carolina, as they have won back-to-back games, they enter Wednesday's matchup 10-3. and But Notre Dame, they come in with a with an odd 7-5 and record because on the surface you would think, okay, Notre Dame's not very good. And that might be true. 
but you don't know that, that yet. Might also, that might also not be true. Because, well, they've got a win over Kentucky on their home court, being uh, Notre Dame's home court. Uh-oh. Which we all, of course, know what Kentucky did to Carolina. But they've also lost five games, but they've lost uh, some high-profile, or you know, at least power five opponents. They lost at Illinois. They've lost to Indiana in the Crossroads Classic. Mm. They lost to common opponent Boston College, actually, who you just beat by 26. Yikes. They've lost to Texas A&M, and they've lost to mid-major, I'm not going to say power, but mid-major relative uh, or, or relevant program, St. Mary's, as well. And then their wins outside of Kentucky— Cal Strait, Northridge, High Point from North Carolina, Chaminade. Uh, of course, they got the Kentucky win, Western Michigan, Texas A&M, Corpus Christi, and then they sh- and they beat Pittsburgh three days after Christmas um, for their uh, lone ACC win. Like Boston College, they're coming off a little bit of a delay. They have not played since December 28th because their game against because they had a game against Duke get uh, postponed due to COVID. So not to the same level as you were as it was before Christmas for Carolina or Boston College, where it was December 13th since they last played. And their whole team had not practiced together in over a month ahead of their game on Sunday against Carolina. So it's not that bad for Notre Dame. Um, but you could see why they've got a 7-5 and record. It's been an up-and-down season for them. They've got three players averaging double-figure scoring, led by Dane Goodwin, who averages 14.9 points, five-and-a-half rebounds per game, and just roughly under one assist per game. In case you were wondering, for all of you college basketball diehards out there, Prentice Hub is still on the roster. He's been there since the founding of Notre Dame University. Which, yes. I, I got a story about Notre Dame. You know that university was supposed to— University of Notre Dame. It was supposed to be uh, in where USC is. Huh? Yeah. So when the, the people that were creating the university, and they were making their way across the country, they were going to Los Angeles, California. But as it happens up there in South Bend, Indiana— well, it snowed heavy, and they got stuck, and they decided to put the university right there in That's South Bend. That's one of the laziest things I've ever heard in my entire hey, life. The, now there's something to attract you to Indiana outside of cornfields. I mean, Indiana's not that bad. I mean, you got Indianapolis. Indianapolis? Yes. Good job bringing that up. I knew you would go there as well. Um. Yeah, no. I mean, this is... It's honestly a, a little weird seeing them be this down the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, because, yeah, you would have expected this would be a team that, under Mike Bray, had some staying power because yeah. he's a good, he's still a good head coach. Mm-hmm. I know the records don't show it. He's still a good head coach. Some of the guys that he had playing at the level that he did was pretty amazing. But this team, I mean, there's just no consistency to this team. They have three guys that have started every game this season. The rest of their rotation has been in flux, and they only have seven guys that are a part of their rotation. They're kind of all over the place. And they are one of the things that they always used to have that gave Carolina trouble, particularly Zach August, was that inside presence. That could play on the perimeter. They don't have that now. Nate Lazowski's a good player, the problem is is that he is pretty much a guy that extends the floor, and that's pretty much about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, his rebounding numbers are okay. 
He averages 7.2 a game, but he, I mean, you feel pretty good about Armando Baycock going into that matchup. Now, the concern is, is that Lazowski has gotten you a couple of times here when you played them. Now, you've still won those games, but he's, he's, he's a guy that gives Carolina fits. So, we'll see. I think that you know, the if, if they can play the way that they played defensively the other night, even even half of that, as long as they show the effort that they did the other night, this is a game that you feel pretty confident in them winning because this is a team that doesn't score the ball well. They're a pretty solid defensive team. I mean, they're allowing, I think, 66 points per game, I think is what I saw. Um, but, yeah, I mean – other than I, I, what that what that does show you though is that this team is going to want to play slow. Well, I think Limit this possessions. Is, this is a good test for Hubert Davis because you're be going you're going to be coaching against a uber experienced coach who is not going to just stick to whatever he believes in. Notre Dame does a lot of the things that over the years I wished we would have done, which was they'll change possessions, they'll throw different looks at you, and so this will be another test for Carolina, and I think they've handled some of the different looks they've been given this season because they've won a lot of different games in a lot of different ways, and I told you guys all during the non-conference season, that shows up now. Doing that in the non-conference season, you might not think, well, why do you want to learn how to win against Brown or then, you know, the College of Charleston or whoever it is because it actually pays dividends in conference play and Carolina will be able to look back at those instances they had back against lesser opponents and say, well, we had to win this game this way. Well, we got to do it again. And now they'll be confident they can do that. Update you on some stats for Carolina. They entered the game 10-3 and overall, 2-0 and in the ACC. They still outside the AP top twenty-five. It does look like with the ACC being down, they're gonna have to string together relatively, you know, a a a, a long winning streak or get a ranked win on that resume right now. That that would not come until February fifth, as Duke is the only ACC team in the AP top twenty-five. They got five guys averaging double-figure scoring, still led by Armando Baycott, who is averaging. Um, 15.6 points. No, it's actually Caleb Love. I got those backwards. He leads the team in scoring 15.6 points per game. Armando, 15.3 points per game, 9.9 rebounds. So effectively, he is averaging a double double. Carolina now up to 10th in the country in three point shooting at 40%. And they are 10th in the country in, the, uh, in defensive rebounds per game, 30.3 defensive rebounds per game. So they're not the rebounding juggernaut. They've been in years past. They don't have to be like they've had to be in years past, but they are getting it done on the defensive end of the glass. I didn't mention we had I had some discussion topics that I moved from the Boston College recap into this preview because I thought it, you know it, it it fit more in the in today's pod. And this was something that I was going to bring up before Dawson Garcia got injured. And right now, of course, he didn't practice leading up to the game, so we don't know what his status is for tomorrow's game against. Um, against Notre Dame, what I saw a lot of Tar Heel fans talking about this. You've seen some college basketball people talking about this, and Brady Manix play off the bench. You can't you can't ignore it. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people think Carolina's best five is Caleb Love, R.J. Davis, Leaky Black, Armando Baycott, and Brady Manick. But you start Dawson yeah, Gar- right. they, yep. they they start Garcia instead of Manick. Yeah, should Manick start over Dawson Garcia? No. Absolutely not. Seemed There's pretty confident a reason. In that answer. There's a reason 
why you have him come off the bench. Because as we've seen, and now he had to come out in the game against Boston College because of the what ended up happening. He, this, he got his head sat on, on the floor. And his head hit against the floor. Now, more than likely in concussion protocol. They haven't officially released that, but that's what you would believe. Manic came in. What happened right after Manic came in? Carolina took over the game. Mm-hmm. You need that guy off the bench. Maybe you could make the case that Anthony Harris is getting to that point. But my thing is, is he doesn't bring that scoring punch off the bench that you need just yet. Well, he he impacts the game. He doesn't change the game. Right. Now, here's the thing. Maybe Kerwin Walton is that guy. But right now, I don't think he's at that point where you can say, okay, he's definitely going to be the guy that we can count on mm-hmm. to lift us up and change the game if we put him in there. I think right now, you you should keep Brady Manick on the bench. I think his role's great. He still plays a lot of minutes. It's not like this is what people don't understand. Just because a guy doesn't start doesn't mean that he's not better than a player that is starting in the game ahead of him. So, I mean, as long as he's on the floor for a significant amount of minutes, which he is, he plays, I mean, he he probably, I don't have it in front of me, he's, he averages more minutes than he does a game, doesn't he? Yes. So what's the big issue here? If he's playing more minutes, even though he's not technically the starter, he acts as your starting big. The only difference is when they read out the starting lineups and when they take the floor when they are, you know, fresh out of the tunnel, he's not the guy starting. I don't it doesn't matter. He's playing a good enough role for you, a significant enough role for you where you don't need him to start. And right now, I like the role that he's playing for you. Yeah, I see it's really tough because I I do believe in that mindset of, "Well, shouldn't you start your best five? But I also think he's in such a great rhythm coming off the bench. You don't want to you don't want to jinx that and take him out of his rhythm. And look, maybe if Kerwin Walton was back to where he was last year, you'd be more willing to move Brady back into that starting lineup. But being able to have the guy that that comes off the bench and scores almost 13 points per game and grabs almost six rebounds per game, how many teams in the country have that? Not many. Exactly. And it gets back to what we talked about earlier in the season when we were, and even myself, we were complaining about the rotation. This is an NBA rotation. This is, Or it's being used like an NBA rotation with the way he divides the, the minutes and the lineups and all that. When the game is on the line, who's going to be on the court? Right now, it's going to be Brady Manning. See, that's my thing. I don't give... I, I I don't I don't give any pahoots about who starts the game. Save just a lap there. I care about who finishes the game. Is your best five, which we believe is the group that you just read off, is that group the one finishing the game? If they are, I don't care who starts the game for you. Because if you feel like you need Brady Manick to come in off the bench because, look, Dawson Garcia just isn't doing anything— you could take him out the first after the first possession if you want. Well, to. and there you have, could call timeout and take him out. There have been times where, in the first minute or two, where Huber doesn't like the way, like if, if Dawson has missed a box out, took a bad shot, or even or it's even happened with Armando. 
Brady's ready to go. It's not like he it's not like he waits until the under sixteen timeout to put him in the game. He's usually on the court that first or second dead ball, depending on how far into the game you get to. So Exactly. It does not all that a starter is it's literally just a title. It does not matter. That does not mean that you have to play a guy a specific amount of minutes. You want to start him and take him off the floor and never play him again the rest of the game, you could do that. So I'm not really that concerned about it. I am concerned, like I said, is he the guy that is finishing the game for you? As long as he and Baycott are your guys down low finishing the game, I'm not concerned about that, and I'm not pushing Hubert to start him. I think it's working right now. The other discussion topic that I had, and it really flows as well because this game's a road game, Carolina's 2-0 and on the road in ACC play. And as I told you guys in the Boston College recap, both of those wins on the road have been by double digits. The first time Carolina's won back-to-back ACC road games by double digits since 2015-16, and just the second time since Michael Jordan left campus, Carolina has done just that. But they're also 3-0 and on the road overall, the first time since 2009. Carolina has won their first three road games, and we all know what that team accomplished. I'm not saying Carolina's going to accomplish all those great things. I hate when you do these connections because I feel like we've done these before and they haven't really worked out hey, as well. Hey, look, this is what this is what I do. That's my investigative journalism. That's why I'm the basketball aficionado because I come up, I, I, I provide see, the hard-hitting facts. See, I've thought about this. You're not a basketball aficionado. You are a basketball nerd. I mean, it just is what it is. I would go with nerd. Uh, Okay, aficionado looks better on the Tinder profile, which has gotten more swipe rights than swipe left since I added that to the profile. I will will tell you right now, if you put basketball aficionado on there, you will literally be removed by the Tinder higher-ups for putting aficionado on the profile. Maybe. Um, But I think that's something that, we, we, we need to start taking a look at hold for Carolina because they've also haven't lost a game at home. They, their only three losses have been on neutral site courts, which Hubert Davis made a joke after the Boston College game where he wishes he could call up Purdue, Tennessee, and Kentucky and say, well, I wish we could have played those games in your gyms because we might have got a different result. Yeah, uh, can we play NCAA tournament games and uh, the ACC tournament in uh, college gyms? That would, that would be Preferably, nice. Preferably, yeah. Um, but look, the the pathway to competing to win an ACC title is you got it. You 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 have to win games on the road. Mm-hmm. You've gotten two of those. You got a chance to get a third right here tonight against Notre Dame. And I don't know if I thought this team would be this good on the road this year because last year was a year weird year because you played in empty gyms. Mm-hmm. You didn't play in the hostile environments that you have played in so far this year, like the College of Charleston, like that Georgia Tech environment. And what you're going to see as the season moves along, mainly when you got it when you got to go to Raleigh, when you got to go to Cameron Indoor Stadium. But Carolina has handled those moments. You look back at that game against the College of Charleston, they were down 11. Against Georgia Tech, they were down 9. They rallied and got convincing wins in both of those games. This team is a good road team. I think the question is, is how good can they be on the road? Because I think if they can become a very, very good road team, this is then that team gets back into the type of team we thought they were going to be entering the season, which was a team that could win a conference title, be a one seed to make a deep run in that NCAA tournament. Well, this will be a test for them coming up because this is one of the one of the places where 
it, it it's pretty tough to go into Notre Dame and win. Mm-hmm. That's probably the best environment that you will see so far this season I, on on the road. Boston College, that would have involved them having an environment, which, by the way, please tell me that they were limiting fans at that game. So, that was the lightest crowd that I have seen for a power conference game in a long, long time. The ESPN box score said there were over 5,000 people in that gym. Liars. There is no way. <laughs> there is no way. There were more people at my house than there were in that game. I, I mean, that was – so that environment, we knew that. We knew that was going to be a sleepy environment anyway. That environment was even worse than we originally thought. Yes. Um, And Georgia Tech was good, but this is a place where – from the the times we've been there, you've seen this is a raucous crowd. It's midweek. The students will be back. So, yeah, this is going to be a pretty tough game for you. So I think this will be one of the ones that you can sort of gauge yourself off of. Where exactly are we as a road team? This team might not be great, but let's be honest. How many great teams are you really playing in the ACC this year? Not many. So... I think we'll see. The good news is, though, is as I just said right there, how I think the question is how great can Carolina be on the road? The other question is how great do you have to be on the road? Well, what's the toughest game that you have on the road outside of playing in Cameron? It's just more the fact you know? that you know somehow you got to you got to get to at least fifteen wins in conference play to logistic to to log, you know logistically compete to win a conference title. So let's say if you just go ten and zero at home, then you got to at least get five on the road. You've already got two. Oh, I think you can get them. now. You can no get doubt. three. So now it looks more like you can get to seven or eight because you don't have to go. You don't have to go to Virginia this year. You don't have to go to some of those places that have really. This liked. is the year, by the way, that we would want to go to Virginia, right? And we don't go there. So I think it'll be interesting to see when when Carolina's been historically good, and I'm talking ACC championship good, Final Four good, national title good. They were able to go on the road and win these types of games. And look, Notre Dame, it's going to be it's going to be nine o'clock, but they're going to be ready to go. Um, the uh, Leprechaun will be freaking out. He'll be getting the, the 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 arena hyped up. The Joy Center, the way that it's laid out, they know how to keep the sound in. It's one of the best courts in all of college basketball. The way they got the Shamrock, that kind of outer lines the whole basketball court. The thing they got going on, it's going to be a really good test. And look, when Carolina's gone there before, the last time they went there, they lost on a buzzer beater shot during that stretch during that 2019 season when they lost all those games on the final possession. But you you look at the most recent matchup, Carolina beat this team by 42 in the ACC tournament last year. <laughs> you don't... I, I, Mike Bray hasn't forgotten that. His seventh-year yeah. seniors haven't forgotten that. They're going to come out motivated and try to turn their season around. And so, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll monitor that when we come back, because we're going to come back and give our keys to the game and pick the game. But right now, here is this week's ad from DraftKings. Hockey fans, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has a no-brainer offer that will make you a winner once any shot gets past the goalie. New customers can bet just $1 on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores. The NHL got rid of ties in 2005, so you know someone is going to light the lamp. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, no worries. 
Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TBPN. Throw down $1 on any NHL game and win 100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. That's promo code TBPN, the Basketball Podcast Network, this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. You must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only, new customers only, minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager is required, only one per customer, restrictions do apply, see DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details, if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Really hope you guys are taking great advantage of all of these great offers I've been giving you on the four corner side of the podcast, and for Anthony on the heel tough slide pod, uh, heel tough blog. Excuse, yeah, excuse me, just a long uh, heel tough blog podcast, dude. It is a Monday, it's and a, you need some sleep. It's dude. a Monday of Mondays, so get over to DraftKings, use that promo code TBPN, and get you some great extra cash. Let's get to our keys to the game. The first thing I wrote down for Carolina is to, is, is to control the tempo. Because as I mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. Mike Bray is going to do whatever he can do to get Carolina out of rhythm. They're going to throw a full-court press. They're going to throw a three-quarter half-court press. They're going to throw a half-court press. They're going to play zone. They're going to play man. They're going to do all of that within one possession. They're going to do a lot of different things. They're going to throw the kitchen sink at you, and not because that's what they got to do to win. That's how he coaches. I prefer to throw the toilet at people. Yeah. Um, even the teams that he took to back-to-back Elite Eights, that's how he coached. Right. He, he changed the flow. He, he did so many different things. This is going to be a really great learning experience for Carolina as a team and for Hubert Davis as the head coach. And I think Carolina's gotten a lot better at – controlling the tempo, at pushing the ball in transition. I did yell the other night that I don't get why we'd send our point guard back to the ball after we can after we collect a rebound. Just outlet the thing up the court and get to your offense. See, I didn't know where you were going there because you said you yelled a lot the other night. I thought that was just a general statement because that, that, that was true. Yes. I, I did yell. Very much so. About a lot of different things. But outside of that – Carolina doesn't have to run that they that like I want them to because they're so much more efficient That's impossible. in the half court. But this is a game where if if Notre Dame can, they want this game in the fifties to the sixties mm, possessions. Yes, definitely. And I think Carolina can win like that. I prefer them not to. And even if it is the fifty or six possessions, let it be you're still dictating how those possessions are going. This is a Caleb Love game. This is where we're really going to see how much has he matured, how much has he grown, because their guards are veteran. They've been around the ACC since the league was formed in 1953. They may have created the league. I, I'm I, honestly, they may have been in the hotel. They may have created the game of basketball with James Naismith. I think I think Prentice Hub was there. So th- that's my first key. If Carolina gets this gets this game to over 70 possessions, I think they win. They got more talent. They are a little bit more deeper than Notre Dame, even though both teams mm-hmm. play about seven to eight, maybe nine guys at the absolute max. So Notre Dame's at seven. They 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 tap out at Trey Worth. So Carolina, believe it or not, will be the deeper team in this game. So that's my first key. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. I think also one of the things that we've seen with Carolina here over these last couple of weeks in particular is you're seeing a team that's sort of learning – 
how to strategically run. There are times where they will go into the half court because they're more efficient there. You should always run. And it works because, you know, primarily during, you know, that middle portion of of out-of-conference play when they were still trying to figure themselves out defensively, the slower the pace, the better they were able to sort of control what these other offenses were doing to them. Because early in the year, they tried to go with that extremely fast pace, but the problem was is that you saw teams putting up points at a high rate. Honestly, if you want to see an example of how sometimes going too fast can actually end up hurting you, just watch the the Charlotte Hornets play basketball. That's exactly the issue that they run into. The Toriels have kind of figured out that, look, there are times where you can be aggressive and run the floor, and it's going to work, and you've got the guards to be able to do that. But there's other times where you can settle in and and, and run that half-court offense. If it's not there, if you get a rebound and they're running back, okay, well, you don't have to push and try to force things. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like at times over the past two years, there were times where Carolina would try to run and would end up turning the ball over because they were trying to be too aggressive. Now they've sort of learned how to be a little strategic. So I think you'll see that in this game. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, look, Notre Dame averages 70 points a game. They're holding opponents, I looked it up, 65.6 points per game. So they want it ugly, whether or not they're going to win or lose. If you're Carolina, I think if you get to that 80-point mark, you should win this game no problem. Yeah, my, my second key to the game really falls into the tempo, which is the turnovers. And Carolina has taken strides. They committed just nine the other day against Boston College mm-hmm. at protecting the ball, which is why the game comes back to Caleb Love. I feel like road games, they, they really comes back to guard play because that's how you simulate the NCAA tournament. As as great as, as Armando Baycott is, he's, he's not going to carry you to a national title. He's not going to carry you to a Final Four. Your guard play will. And how you handle these moments on the road against a team that is well-coached, against a team that is experienced – is gonna gonna be really telling of his growth, of his maturation, and I think Carolina's gotten better with their passing, just in general from the high low, from the wing to the block, handling double teams. Because remember, early in the year that was something they really struggled with. Even when they get full court pressured, now they got they're they're handling it a lot better. I think you will see in an effort to have more ball handlers on the court, you'll see that small ball lineup with Leaky Black at the floor because it opens up the floor for everybody else. You have four guys that can break down the defense. It makes it easier to get offense in that half court. So if Carolina protects the ball, as I mentioned, my, my magic number's 12, but if you only get to 60 possessions, now it's 8 or 10 turnovers. That's going to be the thing. I want them to force more turnovers, but I think right now that's just not who they are defensively. I think they are a team that wants to play really good defense in the half court and get defensive rebounds. And as long as you're doing that, you don't have to force turnovers. If you are a bad defensive team, like you have been the last couple of years, okay, maybe you need to force turnovers. But right now, as long as you're going to limit teams to one shot and you're holding teams to where you are to 65 points or less more often than not, I can't live with them not forcing 12, 15, 18 turnovers a game. Well, yeah, I don't. I, I mean, at this point, it's kind of like I'm I'm okay with them not taking risks to try to and and ultimately getting out of position and then having to scramble because as we've seen not the greatest team when it comes to scramble defense that's not where they've been at their best so yeah no I'm all right with that and if this is you know a team that is going to thrive off of defensive rebounding this is one of those games this is not a good rebounding team for Notre Dame they are small 
for the most part. Paul Atkinson is actually their big man. That's the guy that actually starts down there. Lazowski, uh, uh, I believe, is their four man. Atkinson averages less rebounds than Lazowski does. Mm-hmm. So, and he he averages six point five. So this is not a great rebounding team at all. The concern for me here is you said Mike Bray is going to throw a lot of different looks at you. Who was the last team that did that to you defensively? Kentucky. Kentucky. And you turned the ball over a lot in that game. So this is my thing. We've seen that on the defensive end, the last two games, you've brought the effort and really you've you've just you've improved in some of the areas that you struggled in in that game, mm-hmm. like taking away the lane, so on and so forth. Now you've got to be able to look back at that Kentucky game and learn what the issues were on the offensive end of the floor. The turnovers, the rush shots, all that kind of stuff. Because this is a Notre Dame team that can probably come as close to recreating what Kentucky did to you that night in terms of forcing turnovers you better than any other team on your schedule. Because we'll we'll be recording a podcast at 11.30 at night with a lot of yelling. Well, but here's the thing. I think this is a team, the last two years, I would have said, okay, they're probably going to end up making the same mistakes. Because it just felt like they they didn't learn from the mistakes that they were making. This team, you you feel like when they make mistakes, you can see the corrections. You can see that this team understands what they've done wrong, and they find ways to fix it. So this will be the first test with a team that's going to change defensive looks up on you as often as, as they possibly can since that Kentucky game. I think that they'll know this is coming and be ready to go. And look, the other thing is, is this team... This Notre Dame team, while they'll throw that at you, they're not as talented. They're not as athletic as Kentucky is. So it, it is going to be more challenging for them. But I think Carolina, they have to be aware of the fact that, look, this that that's the last team that did that to you. That team, that team that did that to you also got beat by this team that you're playing. So this is a scrappy bunch. They're going to throw different things at you. How do you adjust? I feel confident that they'll be ready to go, though. My last key for the game is something that Carolina's done very well this year, but it's more about the opponent, and that's defend the three-point line. Notre Dame enters the game averaging making nine threes per game, which is only 68th in the country, but they do shoot 25 of them, which is only 81st in the country, but that's their offense. It's good. Everything starts and ends behind the three-point line. What they get on the interior is usually a byproduct of you – double teaming or you, you're doing something on the perimeter that allows the guy to get free on the inside. And we've seen Notre Dame in the years past get hot from three. Prentice Hub is the type of guy that can get hot from three. All their guys, they're, they're going to have five guys on the floor that can shoot three-pointers. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a defensive effort, closing out strong. I thought Carolina did a really good job against Boston College contesting shots uh, on the perimeter with their closeouts. I thought they were aggressive. They did so without fouling. The recipe for an upset is for an opponent to go bonkers from behind the three-point line. They're going to try to get to that 10-12 to 12 mark in terms of May triples. 
but do it more efficiently as opposed to having to take 40, 40 to get there. So I think it'll be interesting to see how Carolina, do they go zone? How do they use the ball screen? Because they are going to ball screen. They're going to use that screen action to try to get their shooters open from behind the three-point line. Carolina has made adjustments from time to time on how they defend that. But I do think if Carolina can hold them to their average or below their average, it increases our chances of winning the game on the road. Well, the good thing is they're not the most efficient team shooting the three ball. They shoot a lot of them, but they're outside of the top 100 in terms of percentage. So they're okay, but they're not great. Um, Yeah, I mean, uh, again, Lazowski's the one that concerns you because he's going to be taking one of your bigs out beyond the perimeter, and that's an area where you get a little concerned. But we saw it a little bit in the game against Boston College, Brady Manick was out there a lot, and he mm-hmm. looked pretty good. He can handle himself out there. So you feel like, I feel like you're more comfortable, especially this year than you were last year. Last year, I mean, there were times where Dayron Sharp would get brought out there, and no offense to Dayron, dudes in the NBA, there were just times where he he had nothing for guys out there. So. This game, you feel like you're built a little bit better than even a year ago to be able to take on what they're going to throw at you. I'm not really all that concerned about that because I think their three-point defense so far this year has been pretty good, Mm -hmm. especially from where it was. That was always one of the biggest things about Carolina on the defensive end of the floor was that they were not a good defensive team when it came to defending the perimeter. Three-point team shooting teams would kill you. You knew that was part of it. So, I mean, look, they're going to shoot a lot of them, um, but Carolina's faced some of those teams so far this year, and they've they've, they've been able to, to slow those teams down. I mean, remember, Furman came in as one of the best three-point shooting teams in the country, and Carolina shut them down for pretty much that entire night. So I feel confident that they'll be able to take that away. And, yeah, the, the thing about this team is that Notre Dame inside is awful. They are, I mean, they're off on the offensive end of the floor. Their numbers are awful on the inside. So you combine that with the fact that your defensive numbers on the inside, you know, when you match up bigs against bigs, pretty solid. I think Carolina, this this matchup favors them pretty well. Let's go ahead and pick the game. Carolina has a 54% chance, according to ESPN's Basketball Power Index, to win. So despite the disparity in records and conference record and all that, they are giving Notre Dame, I guess, well, some of that home court advantage, a, a greater chance to win. I got to tell you guys, I'm starting to get that good feeling about this team, that I, I'm starting to trust them more. I'm starting to trust Hubert Davis more. They're starting to look like the team I thought – or the team that I wanted to see in November and December, what I knew it was going to take until January, February, and March to see, they're starting to get there. They go on the road and win this game, and it's only going to cement the fact that I that I do think they are the type of team that can do some some big time teams this season. It's not going to be the same level. Do some big time damage this season. Said big time things. You just said they could do some big time teams. Yeah, big time things this season. Teams. You I didn't say teams. that. I heard teams. Yeah, well, that's because you were looking at your phone. Sure. I don't think it's going to be the same margin as it was against Boston College. And if it is, we're going to have a whole heck of a lot of fun. But it, I do think Carolina is going to win and win convincingly against Notre Dame. If they beat this team by the same margin that they beat Notre Dame 
or a Boston College, I will officially come on this podcast and join you with the prediction that they will win the ACC regular season title and will be a one seed in the NCAA tournament. I Look, I'm with you. I think they win this game. I think, as I said, if they get to that 80-point mark, you probably feel that they can win this game probably rather comfortably, too. I think they do that as well. I'll say they win by double digits, but look, as I mentioned, this is this is a tough road environment. You know, Boston College, there were maybe seven people there. So, one of the things that you know, even even you know, with some of these these teams that are struggling, especially when we've been through going throughout ACC conference play, these crowds can have an effect on the way some of these teams play. Their fans are going to be pumped up because Carolina's coming in there. This is a chance for them to get another big win. And here's the thing. Even though they're not off to the greatest start to the year, if they have wins over Carolina and Kentucky on their resume, they still have an NCAA tournament shot. Mm -hmm. So they're going to be playing with probably a little bit of desperation as well. But I still think Carolina by double digits, but it's going to be one of those games. This feels like this probably gets back to the types of games that we've seen this season. Close first half, Carolina pulls away late a little bit. Well, that's going to wrap up this edition of the Four Corners Podcast. Both Anthony and myself predicting a Carolina win at Notre Dame later this week. Before we let you go, I do want to get you to the website, HeelToughBlog.com, where I'll have you covered leading up to the Notre Dame game with a preview. I'll go a little bit more further in-depth on the Fighting Irish, and I'll have a recap up that night as well. It will be a late night for me, um, but that's what you do when you when you write about a team that you love. So get over to the website to get that basketball coverage, football side of things. The season has finally come to a close, but... Sam Howell to the NFL Draft, Marcus McKeithen to the NFL Draft, Trey Morrison to the transfer portal, stock report from the bowl game loss, all that content and more on the website as well as we keep you covered up to date on both Carolina football and Carolina basketball. As for the podcast side of things, you know where to find us. We're on the Basketball Podcasting Network. We host through Megaphone. We're on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, TuneIn, Google Podcasts. You name it, the Four Corners Podcast is there. Give it a like. Give it a review. Review me as the host. Review Anthony as the co-host. But hit that subscribe button. That way you get every great podcast right there in your podcast library. Well, that is going to wrap up this edition of the Four Corners Podcast. I want to thank Anthony for hosting with me. I want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels. The Four Corners Podcast is a proud member of the Basketball Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter at HoopsPodNet or visit our website, www.thebasketballpodcastnetwork.com to find the best basketball podcast.